بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی علیہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ چنائی از دا تھرٹینتھ آف ڈسمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی that we're going through the illustrious and blessed life of the eminent companion, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah And yesterday I mentioned the report in which the woman who committed the two great crimes of zina and then killing the innocent child was found, uh, first went to Abu Hurairah and Abu Hurairah said there's no repentance. But then when he went to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, He corrected this. I should have mentioned, the brother mentioned it off tape, that that shows the wisdom of the woman. Because she did not go to the Prophet first, because the Prophet is duty bound to apply the hudud, being the leader. So Abu Huraira was not the Amir. So again, this, again, I should have pointed out yesterday. So in summary, we spent quite a few sessions talking about the great worship of Abu Huraira. You could summarize by mentioning 11 things. So this is by way of summary in terms of what sort of worship he would do. The first, he would love to extend on washing the limbs of wudu, which I'll mention at the relevant time as well. Number two, he would love to use the miswak. Number three, he became the muazzin of Bahrain. Number four, he would utter abundant dhikr daily including 12,000 tasbihats. Number five, he would offer the tahajjid prayer for the first third of the night. Uh, sorry, the second third of the night. Number six, he would regularly offer salat al-duha in the mid-morning. Number seven, he would fast three days of each lunar month. Number eight, he would recollect the blessed ahadith for one third, the final third of the night. Number nine, he would love to share the sacred ahadith and knowledge with others. Number ten, his yearning for jihad and ailments, in particular fever, were also immense. Number 11, he was most generous in particular to his guests. And number 12, he would often plant seedlings throughout the earth. So all of that I've mentioned the various texts. If you combine all this, you realize that this was his main focus throughout his life. I to get as much blessed worship into his life as possible. And obviously the reason being, this is the purpose of our creation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, وَمَا خَلَقُتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ We created the jinn and mankind only that they might know me, or they know or to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allahu Akbar, what better description could there be of this most exalted man's worship than from his guest, the old man from the Banu Tafawa tribe who said, I was the guest of Sayyidina Abu Hurairah radiyallahu in Al-Madinah. 
And I have never seen any of the companions who exerted themselves in worship as much as he, nor any of them who cared for his guests more than he. Subhanallah. This is in Abu Dawood, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 5, page 126 of the New English Translation. So hopefully that becomes a bit more clearer now. You know, a person goes, how could that man have said that? Because you don't know the worship of Abu Hurairah. He was in close quarters and he was, you know, seeing is not like hearing that the Prophet said. So in conclusion, it would be safe to say that all of his incredible worship was due to a dua which he had heard from our beloved messenger. So what dua was this? The hadith is in Tirmidhi, Imam Ahmad's Musnad, <coughs> Marif al-Quran, volume 7, page 181 of the English translation. Sayyidina Abu Hurairah I once heard a supplication from Rasulullah which I have never missed since. Allahumma ja'alni u'adhimu shukrak wa attabi'u nasihatak wa ukfiru dhikrak wa ahfazu wasiyatak O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make me so that I keep thanking you profusely. I keep following your advice. I keep remembering you in abundance. And help me to guard your will. Amen. So let's look at this. So look how interesting. He goes, I once heard this dua. <laughs> Think about that. How many times do we hear duas and then eventually dragging our feet, we learn it. He goes, I once Heard this dua from the Prophet and look what he said. I have never missed it since. So think about that. He hears it once and he goes, never have I missed it. Meaning I always now make this dua. And what were the four things humbly Rasulullah was asking for? Look at it briefly. Allahumma ja'alni u'azzimu shukrak. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, make me so that I keep thanking you profusely. So I show gratitude to you. Gratitude is so important that Luqman salam, the very first thing he mentioned to his son in the Quran was gratitude. Before mentioning keep away from shirk. So look how interesting. Even before warning his son of shirk, Luqman the wise salam, told his son he could show gratitude. So gratitude is so important. And also, why is it so important? Because in Surah Ibrahim, wasalam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that those who are grateful, I will give them more. Those who are grateful, I will give them. It opens up other doors, other blessings of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what did the Prophet say first? Make me, so I keep thanking you, showing gratitude gratitude to you in abundance in immensity the second thing he asks so nasiha means you know when you like give advice sincere advice to somebody nasiha I keep following your advice so when Allah the almighty and glorious gives advice it is advice <laughs> There can't be any greater advice than from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He goes, help me in following your nasiha. In other words, don't let me just hear it and just one ear through the other ear, like a funnel. The third thing he asks, 
I keep remembering you in abundance. Wa ukfiru dhikrak. Not just, you know, occasionally. Help me to remember you in abundance. It's a very famous dua in Abu Dawud al-Madi, authentic, where the Prophet said to Mu'ad ibn Jabal radiyallahu, O Mu'ad radiyallahu, I love you. Then he said, never forget to say after the obligatory prayer, Allahumma inni la dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik. O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, help me in remembering you, in showing gratitude to you, and to worship you in the most beautiful way. The Prophet ﷺ gave that gift to Mu'adh ibn Jabal, who was very dear to him, and he goes after the Fadr prayer. But what was one of the nasiyats, just like Abu Huraira heard, I keep remembering you in abundance. Help me to remember you in abundance. And the fourth thing, وَأَحْفَظُ وَسِيَّةً Wasiya means a will, when you leave a will. Help me to guard your will, meaning whatever you have given as a command. Help me in protecting those commands that you have given. So now, why have I mentioned this at the end of the subsection of Abu Huraira's worship? He never forgot this dua. Was this dua answered? You understand? Look at what he's asking for. Everything he asked for from what the Prophet was asking for, he was given. Hence, one must humbly also beg the Almighty and Glorious for the ability to engage in his remembrance in abundance. There's actually a hadith. The hadith is in Tabarani, Sahih hadith. And the meaning of the hadith, the Prophet said, there is no greater blessing that Allah the Almighty gives to his servant than to help him to remember him. There is no greater blessing that Allah the Almighty gives to a servant than to help him to remember him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning that whenever you get dhikr into your life, that's, a, that's the greatest gift that Allah can give any servant. So you should strive to ask for more and more, hai, to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And not Abu Huraira was living this, this dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa So moving on from his worship, let us now spend a few nights, inshallah, taking a glimpse into his renowned taqwa. With all the acts of worship that this most blessed man used to perform daily, together with all his other virtues, one may think that he would have been excused to the occasional statement of boast. But how wrong you would be. Think about it. You know, even if he had said, you know, by way of example, he, you know, he showed some pride in his worship. You know, you'd excuse that. You're thinking, well, if he's not going to show pride, who is? But he was the complete opposite of that. If you actually go through this section and only this section alone, without knowing his worship, you would be correct in thinking he is a great sinner. You know, you actually start getting this impression. But let's look at the report. In Tirmidhi is Gharib, Hafiz Baghwi in his Sharh Sunnah number 4036 or 7-346, Mishkat volume 1 number 128 in the chapter on Riyah. Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu relates that he had once asked, Ya Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa I was in my dwelling, in the praying area, and a man suddenly came and saw me, which made me feel happy that he saw me in this state. Ai, is this dos riyah? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, O Abu Huraira radiyallahu, 
Rather, there are two rewards for you. One for the hidden worship and the second for the revealed worship, i.e. which was grace. So let's look at it. So what did he mean when he said, I was in my dwelling in the praying area? So like I mentioned, he, his mother lived in Dhul Hulayfa. This is in the outskirts of Medina. So maybe he was there. And as fate would have it, a man saw him praying in his, you know, in his special praying area. But then he had that feeling of like, you know, happiness. He thought, look, he's seen me pray. But then he was thinking, Astaghfirullah. He goes, what sort of worship is this? He came to the Prophet and he was thinking, this must be destruction. The Prophet وسلم, he said, there's two rewards for you. The first is you were hiding your worship. That was your full intention. The second, which has got nothing to do with you, this is pure divine grace, is Allah Ta'ala exposed it. So the divine grace, he goes, was the second honor for you. Allah Ta'ala, he goes, nothing to worry about because your, your intention was pure. Sheikh Ahmad Yar Khan, Rahmatullah, he said in his commentary of Mishkat, called Mirat ul Manajih, volume 7, page 133, quote, meaning you started your worship with sincerity and that you were praying in the corner of your dwelling and then Allah the Almighty revealed your deed, which is His grace. You felt happy knowing that a Muslim did not see you in an undesirable condition, rather in a good condition. And this happiness is also due to the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for which you will be rewarded too, because this joy was due to gratitude, not pride. So the respected Sheikh, who wrote a commentary on Mishkat, he was saying that the grace was, why did he get happy? His happiness was due to shukr. It wasn't pride. He understood. So when he felt that happiness, it wasn't pride in his heart. He was just like showing gratitude, saying, Ya Allah, you, you know, this person saw me in a good state. You understand? This person saw me in a good state. So he's doing shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because that is the meaning here. That's why he was given another reward. Because Allah Ta'ala showed him in a good state. In a similar report, not to be confused. Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, he said, A man asked, Ya Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, A man does a deed in secret, but when it becomes known, he likes that. Is that wrong? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Lahu ajrani ajru sirri wa ajrul alaniya. He gets two rewards. One for performing it in secret, and another for it being known, which is grace. This is in Tirmidhi, number 2391, Hassan Sahih Gharib, Ibn Majah, number 4226, Bihaqi in Iman, Ibn Hiban. However, Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah detected a weakness, therefore he stated Da'if in his Da'if Ujjari, number 4790. So now what's interesting about this report, so according to Imam Tirmidhi, it's authentic. Some of the scholars said there's weakness, it must be minor. You get the impression now that Abu Huraira is talking about somebody else. He goes, a man asked. But it's the same thing. So what do you notice? He was hiding. Even in this report, he was hiding himself. He thought to himself, I should have mentioned my own self. He goes, a man asked. 
A man does a deed in secret, but when he becomes known, so look how beautiful that is. The subject is Riyah. And even in the way he starts to word it, he shows he was hiding it. And the Prophet said the same, because you get a reward for secret, and you get a reward for it being known. Imam Tirmidhi, he commented here, in his Sunan, number 2391, quote, he becomes happy, hoping for a better reward in the hereafter. For Rasulullah said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you are witnesses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the earth. However, if anyone likes praise by the people that they might honor him, then that is riyah. Other scholars, rahimahumullah, hold that his being happy on other people learning of his piety means that he hopes they would follow suit and do the good deed themselves. And he would thus get an additional reward for this. So now Imam Tirmidhi is adding a few things. This is a very famous hadith where the Prophet said, You are witnesses of Allah on the earth, meaning you will witness to each other. Yes, he did good, I witnessed it. So the obvious meaning is the man witnesses Abu Huraira praying. He goes, you're going to be happy over that. He's going to witness for you on the day of judgment. But this is the killer. If anyone likes praise by the people that they might honor him, that is Riyah. If anyone likes praise by the people, and your intention is so that you will get honor, because that's Riyah. Why? Because you don't want nothing from people. If he's seen you, so why have he seen you? Good for him, right? But if you think, now I'm going to get honored, because that's not good. And then he said, the other obvious meaning is, your happiness is that you're, you're thinking, Hopefully, he'll start acting upon it as well. Because that's a good intention as well. So, you know, Yala had no intention. He see me do a deed. I was doing it purely for you. But hopefully, by him seeing me doing it secretly, that might encourage him. So, that is another reason for the happiness. So, surely you are deserving of reward for this as well. So, look how beautiful. The scholars have elucidated upon this hadith. Though, according to some scholars, like I mentioned, the hadith has weakness. Its meaning is true. Why? Because in Sayyid Muslim, number 2642, Sayyidina Abu Dharr relates that he asked, Ya Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, do you see that a man does a good deed and the people then praise him for it? He responded, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that is rather a glad tidings for the believer. In other words, he's saying, Abu Dharr was on the same wavelength. He was thinking, Ya Rasulullah, if people get to know about my secret deeds and they start praising me, is that a bad thing? And the Prophet said, no, because that's glad tidings, because you didn't want them to praise you. So not again, it's the heart, the seat of the heart. So now this subject, I don't want to go into it too much. Our beloved Messenger, he feared for something even more than the Jal. And that was no other than Riyah. This is in Ahmed Sayyid. Now think about this. If a person says, is the Jal a great fitna for us? You say, no, he's not a great fitna. He's the worst fitna. Mm. One hadith, the Prophet said, all fitna are building up to the jal. Mm. So think about it. He's on top of the ladder. The jal is the worst fitna. Every fitna that people are experiencing throughout the centuries are just stepping stones towards him. Mm. Now be honest, how severe has the fitna got now? <laughs> and you think, it can't get worse. You're lying. Because the jal's not here. So he is... The greatest fitna. So a person goes, well, you just said 
that the Prophet said, I fear for you more than the job. And that's Riyah. So the response is there is no contradiction. Why? Because the Jal is the greatest open fitna. Outwardly, with your eyes and ears, he is the greatest fitna. The greatest inward fitna in your heart is Riyah. But if push comes to shove and somebody goes out of the two, which is the most dangerous, the Jal or Riyah, then you say Riyah. What does that teach you? That teaches you that your inward state is more destructive than your outward state if you don't control it. Now look how tragic people don't even know what that word means. You know, look how low the Muslims are falling. You go to prison with Riyah is. He goes, oh, is that your sister? He goes, right? And he goes, no, no, do you know what Riyah is, right? Go, does it mean hip hip hooray? What, what? He doesn't even know what it means. And he goes, you don't know what the most destructive thing that will destroy you is. And then suddenly he gets shouted. He goes, hey, well, I thought that was the job. Brother. He goes, no, it's not. It's Riyah. He doesn't even know what it means. Forget about asking him, are you protecting yourself from me? How can you protect yourself? You don't even know what the, what the weapon is that's been used against you. So you need to be extremely fearful of this. And look at Abu Huraira. Was he fearful of that? Even though he was in a secluded part of his dwelling praying, somebody saw him, he got a little bit happy. He thought, oh my God, we are. But then Alhamdulillah, the Prophet goes, no, you got two rewards. And the explanation is good. Abu Huraira understood this reality only too well. Let me finish with this. So this report... In Tirmidhi, number 2389, Hassan Gharib, Ibn Khuzayma Sahih, Hakim Sahih, Zahabi Sahih, Ibn Himan Sahih, Targhib Hayat al-Sahab, volume 4, page 665-6 of the New English Translation. So I'll start the report today. We'll continue with it tomorrow. Shofay al-Asbahi, Rahmatullah, he said, I entered al-Madina and I saw a man whom people had gathered around. I asked, who is this? They said, Abu Huraira. Thus I approached him and I sat down in front of him. He was addressing the people. When he finished, they left and I thereupon asked him, I ask you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to narrate to me a hadith that you heard from Rasulullah and understood fully. So stop the report. So is this authentic? Yes, it's a flawless report. Shofi al-Asbahi was a tabi'in. He had never seen Abu Huraira. This was the first time he met him. So he saw him. Obviously people studying. He goes, who's this? He was Abu Huraira. So he just sat. When the people left, now why did he wait for people to leave? That's interesting. And because he, he thought this is just a private matter, I need to get this knowledge. So when people had left, he approached. And look how interesting the question. I ask you by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to narrate to me a hadith you heard from Rasulullah and understood fully. Why? Because you can sometimes hear something from the Prophet You might not understand what the Prophet was saying. You just relate it. So he was saying to him, give me one hadith that you had heard direct and you fully understood. Sayyidina Abu Huraira responded, I will certainly do this. 
I will indeed inform you of a hadith that Rasulullah told me in this very dwelling when there was no one else present except him and myself. <laughs> so now, stop in the report. Where was this um, gathering of you know, knowledge taking place? In Abu Huraira's dwelling. That's interesting. What did Abu Huraira say? I'm going to tell you a hadith. Not only that I heard from the Prophet, there was nobody else with him. And he was here. Look at the honor he gave the Tabi'in. Because you're actually sitting where I sat. And Rasulullah sitting where I sat. In this dwelling. So then the Tabi is listening, his, you know, his bated breath. Suddenly, Sayyidina Abu Huraira began to gasp. You know, his breathing got erratic. And he had a panic attack. So he then recovered and he wiped his face. The sweat had, you know, started flowing. And he said, I'm now going to narrate to you and he mentioned the same thing. Then there was a pause. He thereupon began to gasp severely. He had another panic attack and his head actually fell forward. He fainted. I then quickly supported him with my shoulder for a long time and he came around. So stop in the report. <laughs> so he's thinking, oh my God, what's happened? You have asked him to narrate a hadith to me that he's understood fully from the Prophet and he says, I'm going to tell you and he can't narrate it. So imagine, you know, you get a person and you notice when they start having a panic attack, they're bleeding, they, can't, they forget how to breathe. They go, and then you go, brother, breathe, breathe, right? And then he goes, no, just follow, look at me, breathe in, breathe out. And then you give him that paper bag and all the rest of it. <coughs> so the first time Abu Hurair is having that attack, he manages to recover. But it was a severe attack. Why? Because he started to sweat. So it wasn't just a few seconds. You know, a person starts sweating. It means he's really out of breath. So then the Tahabin's thinking, oh my goodness. There was a pause. It happened again. This time he fainted. Now imagine the Tahabin at that point. Oh my God, I've killed him. Because <laughs> what's, what's this hadith? So he goes, I supported him on my shoulder for a long time. He came around, meaning he was unconscious for a long time. And then he says, now why did he put him on his shoulder? Because that's how you get a person's breath, like a child. Right? You lean them forward. So eventually his breath came, he came back. He thereupon said, and I mentioned the hadith tomorrow. <laughs> it because it's a long report. But, Inshallah, we'll go through it tomorrow. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? So, one of the Hamdi's one of the Homer, we have the guy who lied, the Hail and the stuff for the God to the leg of the Belamish and Jim's under the Bikra Bill Isaac and my Sifun, the Salam, the Roman Sadi, and the Lahir, 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 the Lahir